welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Hi there. If I haven't met you, I'm Sam, and I would love to speak to you in person when we have the chance. But at the moment, I'm both excited and terrified to be standing where I am. But where am I? Well, I'm in a school. It's after hours, everyone's gone home. And uh, how, how, am I, how am I here? Well, don't worry, I work here. I work in the IT team uh, two days a week here at Meriden, uh, and this is their auditorium. With the other three days of my week, I study at Mauling College, Theology and the Bible. Um, and that's why I'm here tonight. I'm here tonight because I'm studying to how to preach. And so here we are. I must say that speaking after such great preachers as, as Rob and, and Chris feels a little bit like tracking giants, placing my tiny little human-sized feet inside the giant craters that they've left. Uh, if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead um, and open it to Acts 11 verse 19. We're going to be continuing our series on the Apostle Paul, looking at his ministry in Antioch. But before we read the passage, I have a story to tell. One of the many things I've missed this year has been music, live music in particular. Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to go and see Hamilton live on stage in Sydney, and it was wonderful. I really recommend it. The passion and emotion of the story, the talent of the actors and singers, the beautiful music that stirs a thousand emotions, but like all good things, it had to come to an end. And so as the final act drew to a close uh, in a great crescendo, before I knew it, the cast was back on stage, bowing and, and, uh, and applauding and smiling. First there was the ensemble and the main characters. They came on in order of importance, as they always do. And then they were applauding the musicians. Uh, but finally, we applauded the stage crew and the sound team. Now, for a show like Hamilton, that must be really a huge group of people. The stages are so elaborate and people need to make that happen. There must be people to manage all the costumes, people to make sure that everyone has their microphone at the right time, and sound engineers to make it all come to life in the hall. Despite that, as they were receiving their applause, I didn't see anyone. They were invisible. And it's the same with any kind of production. There are scores of people without whom the show would simply collapse. They were almost never seen nor heard, but without them, there would be no show. And that's what this passage is about. It's about people who are willing to quietly do their own part in God's plan. People who are happy to work in the background 
so that the kingdom of God might come. We're going to look at each of the characters in the passage and the humble job that they do. Why don't you come with me? Like good Bible readers, before we begin to read, let's just take a moment to get our bearings in the story of Acts. Um, we're in Acts chapter 11, uh, and Acts 11 and the ones that come just before it all kind of hinge on this moment in chapter 7, where Stephen uh, is persecuted and put to death for his faith. Um, and because of that, the Christians begin to be persecuted in Jerusalem. And so we have stories like Philip fleeing Jerusalem to Samaria and proclaiming the good news to anyone who will hear. Uh, we read about Paul and how he persecuted the Christians, but then how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Rob so beautifully spoke from this passage uh, two weeks ago. After that, um, we read about Paul's early ministry, uh, and, and Chris spoke from this passage just a week ago. After that, we have Peter's vision of the sheet that comes down from heaven with the unclean animals on it, uh, and, and, and his encounter with Cornelius and how he proclaimed the good news to the Gentiles. And finally, we come to chapter 11, which takes place in one of those new little gatherings of Jesus that have been dotted across the land because of uh, that persecution in Jerusalem. Let's read from verse 19. So then, those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. Now, I just heard a bunch of place names, and I'm going to be honest, I had to look these up. So I'm going to give you a map so that you don't have to. Uh, Phoenicia is a region uh, in the north of the uh, Roman Empire, just north of Judea. Uh, and Cyprus is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Phoenicia. Antioch is further north again than Phoenicia. So that's where those places kind of are in relation to each other. Now, all these places had Jewish communities of some kind, but they were truly diverse cities with people from all over the world, especially Antioch. I'll tell you what, though. I am glad that this story doesn't end in verse 19, with only the Jews hearing the good news. So let's continue reading from verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks as well, preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus. We have something to learn from these nameless evangelists. Would you be willing to let your mission go unnoticed, to have your name left out of every telling of events? Would you be forgotten for God's sake? Up until this moment, the gospel had been almost entirely proclaimed to Jews. Jesus and his followers spoke to Jews wherever they went, telling them about the Messiah. Even Cornelius from Acts 10 feared God. Yet these unnamed men, these, they had the goal, the goal 
to tell the Gentiles about Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, surely, surely they were glad that they were unnamed doing something like that. God couldn't condone such behavior. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Without people like these, you and I would never have met Jesus. Now, earlier this year, I was helping plan our term for youth. We were going to be looking at the person of Jesus throughout the Gospels. And at the same time, I was studying the Gospels at college. And out of all of the great things that Jesus said and did, the Sermon on the Mount jumped out at me. And one of the things that jumped off the page was how Jesus talked about charity and prayer. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, When you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your charitable giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When I heard these words, I was struck. I realized that I was full of this compulsion for people to know how hard I was working for Jesus. I would boast about how much time and energy and money I was giving for the kingdom. I couldn't control it. I couldn't control myself. But once I had seen what was happening, I hated it. I couldn't stop boasting. But, as he so often does, the spirit set to work in me. I have a long way to go yet, but I think I'm moving in the right direction. When was the last time that you did someone, something great for the kingdom but told no one? Maybe some of you are a little like I was and still am. And as we're beginning to become missional again, let's remember that we don't want to be celebrating our achievements. We aren't celebrating our achievements. We're celebrating God's activity. Let's remain as nameless as those men from Cyrene and, and Cyprus. The kingdom of God is built by people who are willing to quietly do their part in God's plan would you be willing? Let's continue reading from verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then, when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith and considerable numbers were added to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. It's God's kingdom, not ours. He builds it how he chooses, not how we choose. Hold your mission with open hands, like Barnabas did, because you may need to pass it to another. By all accounts, Barnabas was an outstanding follower of Jesus. Here, he's described as a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith. In Acts 4, he's described as the son of encouragement by the apostles. If there is anyone who is qualified to lead this church 
of new disciples of Jesus, new Gentile disciples of Jesus, it's Barnabas. And yet, just when things are going his way, he leaves to find Paul, who at this point is still called Saul. That's going to change next week, I promise. Some time ago, I worked in the show crewing business. A musician would come to town, it might be Pink, it might be Katy Perry, uh, it might be Taylor Swift, and they would bring with them dozens and dozens of semi-trailers full of props uh, and lights and pieces of stage, and it was our job to take all those things, all those trolleys full of steel, and turn them piece by piece into a stage. They were performing. In the six months that I worked there, I became quite proficient at putting uh, a stage together. I'm not sure I would call myself uh, son of decking, but I wasn't bad. Um, yet, no matter how good I was, if I was still on stage when the lights came up for the opening song, it would have been a disaster. Standing there in my fluorescent vest, and my steel-toed boots and my hard hat, I would have been totally out of place. And that's why Barnabas leaves to find Paul when he does. God has given each of us a job to do and a part to play. It is for us to do our part and step aside when God has given that part to someone else. We don't wait until everything starts heading south. We don't wait until things turn against us. Like Barnabas, we do it when God says, not when we think we should. So why don't we take a moment after, after I'm finished with this talk and consider the various ministries that we're in, the various ways that we're serving God week in and week out, and ask him, you know, if things are really going badly, ask him, hey, God, who do I need to ask for help? And if things are going great, if you're in your element, if you're on top of things, ask God, who do I need to ask for help? remember that these things belong to God, not us. The kingdom of God is built by people who are willing to quietly do their part in God's plan. Would you be willing? Let's keep reading from verse 25, shall we? And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. But um, let's put this together with what Paul has to say about these same events uh, in the book of Galatians. Let's read from uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 21. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they only kept hearing, the man who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith, which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. If you don't feel like you've received your calling yet, there's still work to be done. By quietly building God's kingdom at home, Paul prepared himself to receive his calling when it did arrive. As Chris mentioned last week, 
Uh, after his conversion, Paul is sent home. The disciples in Jerusalem want nothing to do with him, and so they sent him back to Tarsus, and so he goes. Let's just uh, add Tarsus to our map quickly. Somewhere over here. That should be Tarsus. And uh, just so it's clear, Tarsus is in the region of Syria and Cilicia, and that's why Paul describes it that way uh, in Galatians. Uh, but look at the reports that the Christians in Judea are getting about Paul. Paul is preaching the faith. He hasn't received his calling yet. Barnabas hasn't come. Uh, and he certainly is not the apostle to the Gentiles yet. But this doesn't stop him from preaching the gospel where he is. Now, operating the soundboard anywhere can be a thankless job, particularly when you're new. Uh, when you're doing a great job, no one notices. But when you make a mistake, it is glaringly obvious. I remember my first time standing behind the desk. It looked a bit like a starry night sky with all those lights. Um, and a breathtaking number of knobs and levers and buttons. And as far as I knew, any one of them could bring about a screeching feedback or deafening silence. There were mistakes. There were lots of mistakes. But each week was a little smoother. Another crease ironed out, another rough edge smoothed over. And so not so long ago, I found myself running the sound desk uh, for speech day here at Meriden in this very hall. Uh, there was a choir that had to be mic'd and an orchestra that had to be mic'd. There were string quartets and a live stream to worry about. All the weeks of screeching and silence at church had been worth it. They were what had prepared me for this trial by fire. And I'm sure that Paul's ministry in Tarsus had its rough edges too. Yet nothing could prepare him better for Antioch and beyond. Just like Paul, we might be waiting for our calling. But just like Paul, we have standing orders. If you don't feel like God has called you to anything in particular, that doesn't mean you are off the hook. Tell anyone who will listen about Jesus and his death and resurrection. Jesus has called you to do that no matter who you are, no matter where you find yourself. And you never know. Those years of telling people about Jesus might be just what you need when it comes time for you to follow him. The kingdom of God is built by people who are willing to quietly do their part in God's plan. Would you be willing? Let's continue reading from uh, verse 27. Now, at this time, uh, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, uh, named Agabus, stood up and indicated by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And to the extent that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brothers and sisters in Judea. And they did this, sending it with Barnabas and Saul to the elders. 
Look at how this young church is responding to need. Let me tell you, age and experience cannot contain the kingdom of God. Do not rule anyone out, not even yourself. Now, the church in Antioch here is still a very young church. Paul has been with them for a year, and Barnabas only a little more than that. But still, this church is capable of great things. Here, they are giving generously to those in need. Earlier, we saw them evangelizing to their neighbors. They respond to Barnabas's encouragement, uh, and they share their faith, and considerable numbers were added to the Lord. The fact that these Christians were new and inexperienced didn't make them ineffective. They were learning and yet still going out and doing. If you don't feel qualified to represent God, join the club. If you feel that you just need a little more knowledge, a little more experience, a little more of the spirit, then this passage has something to say to you. What you need is not experience or knowledge or even a little more of the spirit, though that is good. What you need to do is go out in God's name and start doing things for his sake. It won't be perfect. Uh, if it were, then Paul wouldn't have needed to stay with them for a year. But if you go in God's name, people will listen. Or maybe uh, you have all the experience in the world, but a little of that first passion has died. Maybe you can remember what it felt like to be more in love with Jesus than anything else, what it felt like not to know rejection or maybe not caring. After this talk, take a moment, come to Jesus, not as your friend, or your companion, but as your king. Come to him and ask for that first love again. Ask and you shall receive. The kingdom of God is built by people who are willing to quietly do their part in God's plan. Would you be willing? Our work in the kingdom, our mission, is much like the stage crew and the sound technicians that play their part behind the curtains, out of the spotlight. We have work to do. It's often thankless, often overlooked. And the obvious question is why? Why do we slave in the dark? Who is on stage? What's the show we're putting on? what's the music? I think you already know the answer to those questions. Jesus is the one on the stage. Every spotlight on him, God's word coming from his mouth like music. As he builds his kingdom in glorious act after glorious act. Even the apostle Paul is merely a black-clad stagehand shuffling props while Jesus captivates us. And so I leave you with this. Do you need to step off the stage?
willing.